Welcome. It's the Renegade Report again. Ramon? Dr. Witt, how is life treating you? Yeah, it's, uh, it's good. I quite like the, the weather outside. It's, uh, it's the mood within the Tuli house, I hope. Um, well, yeah, and who knows, by the time you hear this podcast, uh, maybe some very interesting developments in our country. But uh, shall we get on with it? Please. Management wants us to keep this to an hour, so... We really have to kind of pay attention. All right. So this week, we've got Martin van Staden on. Uh, Martin van Staden is a final year law student at the University of Pretoria. That in itself is quite interesting. And uh, he's also the regional director of Students for Liberty in Southern Africa, co-founder and editor at The Rational Standard, an online newspaper, editor-in-chief of beinglibertarian.com. Great website. Go give it a go check it out. And he's had pieces published uh, in The Witness, The Report, Business Day, and Politics Web. Martin, that give, uh, is that uh, kind of broad enough? Yes, that's perfect. Uh, thank you both for having me on the show today. Well, we're, uh, we're quite excited. Uh, it's an interesting chat because, you know, if uh, anyone who's been reading The Rational Standard or any of the stuff you've written, there's uh, some really interesting views. Uh, I think they're certainly uh, challenging the mainstream view, certainly in what's seen as the mainstream view, we often talk about uh, the loud minority. Uh, and so I think we could have a very, very good chat about those, those subjects. I'm just going to cut straight to the chase. Martin, you called Steve Biko a racist. Do you want to yes. start uh, World War Three? Why don't you just punch a kitten you know, on TV? Uh, I, I don't um, get hung up on, on what um, following racists have, uh, whether they were popular or whether their ideas have been accepted into the mainstream. If, according to their philosophy or their views, I I think, um, like, adheres to the criteria for being a racist, then I think you're a racist. And I think Steve Biko certainly satisfies the criteria for being a racist. But which ideas, though, of his do you find... Well, okay. Um, if let's let's um, define racism not according to how the Marxists have redefined it. So it's differentiation based on race, or if you will, discrimination based on race. And if you consider Steve Biko's context is uh, what he was actually writing about, which is black consciousness, then you should expect this. He's a collectivist fundamentally, so he is already distinguishing between black people and white people. So where his racism really came out um, for me is perhaps the most quoted part of his philosophy, which is to say that being black is not a matter of skin pigmentation or it's not, it's not about you be having a black, darker skin color, but rather it's a mental attitude. So, and for me, that confirmed that he shares a, the basically the same kind of collectivism that colonialists um, that who came into Africa also had when they said that the natives they they had a different uh, they weren't civilized they had a different mental 
attitude, essentially. So, I mean, can I? That's a, that's quite a big statement. I mean, we're essentially saying Steve Biko, Jan van Riebeek, Cecil Rhodes, not much different uh, in their view, their ideas. Certainly, they who they're viewing is is different. Yes, but the way they view it, not different at all. Yes, if you um, see life uh, essentially through the the dichotomy, which it is essentially a dichotomy of individualism and collectivism, you will see the parallels and that it is essentially the same thing in principle. So when you talk about collectivism, what do you mean by that? Okay, so collect- I, I would say that a man is is, um, is by his nature an individualist. A lot of people will disagree with me about that, so... That being an individualist, let me just define that first, um, perhaps not define it, but describe it, is that self-interest is what motivates us and we recognize that as individuals. And that we as individuals are, we, we are rational decision makers. A group cannot make a, make a decision uh, except through its individuals. The individual is the basic unit. So the collectivist... Um, as opposed to that, he essentially um, relegates the, the individual to a second to the second class consideration over the collective. So he takes an abstract idea such as the collective, which I would consider doesn't really exist in any given circumstance. This is uh, just sorry to interrupt, but this is the sort of uh, blackness, whiteness, yes. any kind of group identity. Yes, except um, if if there's if there's a voluntary dimension. Of course, if you are you a standard bank member or a client of standard bank mm. that is also a collective but that is it's voluntary so that's there's a distinction there yes sure this whole concept of the individual this goes very much i assume into your very uh, large affinity for the sort of libertarian movement that be a correct sort of statement? Yes. Yeah, I would say uh, in being an individualist is a prerequisite for being a libertarian. So I think everyone needs to go through that. So, so we had a liberal on the podcast recently. And, and can you give us a bit of an idea about what libertarians are, what they kind of stand for, for those people who aren't familiar with libertarianism? All right. So um, I, I'm going to probably – it's probably controversial for me to say so, but a liberal is a libertarian. A libertarian is a liberal. Um, the, the problem came in when a bunch of things happened in America when that term just liberal b- became something completely different. So essentially, and liberals aren't liberals anymore. Yes, that's basically it. We're liberals now as libertarians. But the, the definite um, – libertarianism is defined like according to – different people have different views. But the, the basic um, – belief is that we, as is described very in a very cliche way we are individuals who have inalienable rights to life liberty and property but um the the description i prefer is that an individual it's it, it's illegitimate to initiate force against an individual and only defensive force is is allowable and if you believe in that then i say you are a libertarian so what is, what is a common force that people don't really see as force, but that really is force in everyday, for example, state policy or, or, or something to that nature? So, so a lot of people just say, yeah, it's just the way we do things, but it's actually, a, uh, what do you call it, so an act of aggression against them. All right, yeah, a good example is um, <laughs> let's, let's take state provision of housing. Um, what is happening there is the state is 
it's taking involuntarily it's taking money in the form of taxes from from everyday citizens um now most people would say yeah we should pay tax i would pay tax but okay it doesn't matter if you want to you have to so your opinion doesn't matter that is fundamentally when you get down to it that is force and actually when considering any kind of law um i i would say oh state law the law is an opinion with a gun and that is a good way that i think you can describe it any law has force that backs it up it's a great statement an opinion with a gun because essentially if you don't follow the law uh, you're breaking it and then you're liable to those consequences yes uh, the problem is, for me, I, I do believe in, in taxes at some level. Uh, how do we uh, say, all right, well, we'll make it optional. So the guys who believe in it will pay and the guys who don't, is, you know, realistically, if you don't make it optional, no one's going to pay, isn't that? And then how does society function from a libertarian perspective? All right. Um, let's, let's get to the, the fundamental point there is that society doesn't, have to function because some of us want it to function in inverted commas. Um, anything that people want, and, and I think this is actually a principle of economics more than anything else, is that if people want something done, it will be done. So why do we need the extra middleman of the state's force? And, and I'm just the proviso, I'm making a, a very principled argument here. Um, I Not necessarily how it would practically Yes, uh, you won't find me advocating the, abla the abolition of the state in the street. Um, I, I know, I'm conscious of the reality, but this is for the purpose of this, uh, this is a, the principled argument. So anything that society would want to get done, the majority of society, it would be done. And I think to say that, um, like education won't be provided if the government is suddenly eliminated from education, I think that's a, a very dangerous, falla fallacious assumption. So. Well, I mean, I, I agree with you because education is provided quite well, in fact, better than the government provides it by yes. private uh, providers. So I suppose on that point, I, I kind of agree. Yeah, but we, we, I mean, we tend to forget income tax. I think it's only the, the principle of income tax is only 150 old, and even then it was voluntary, and it was 5% at the time in, in the USA. So people – there's been consumable taxes for since – for centuries, which is, is a fairer tax because people choose to buy something and they'll pay the tax on that. But income tax is, is a relatively new tax and people just think it's, it's a natural order of, of, of the way things are, but it's very new and it keeps increasing. It never decreases, mm. as yeah. we've noticed. You don't think uh, paying tithes to the king was, uh, was, was an income tax of sorts? Well, that's a fiefdom. I mean, it's a bit different. In a fiefdom, you, you can leave. I'm not sure it is much different. I think we're in a fiefdom in South Africa at the moment, but uh, it's up for debate. Um, Martin, you, you've written let, – let's talk a little bit about the snowflakes on the left, which uh, you've, you've written about. I don't know how much of this I, is – I actually – sorry. I need to make a point. I yeah. disagree. Snowflakes are individually beautiful. And unique. Unique. They, they're not the same. So I think we should call them something else rather than snowflakes. Uh, well, we can. Um, uh, one analogy I saw on Twitter was, uh, I think with George, we're not sure, who said, uh, don't argue with pigs or don't wrestle with pigs. They, uh, you'll just get dirty and they enjoy it. So, well, something to that effect. I'm sure he'll forgive me for um, using his, 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 uh, his phrase. Um, so, you've written about the snowflakes on the left, which uh, is very much uh, linked into other stuff you've written about, woke 
sort of wokeness, woke yeah. Twitter, woke people, because uh, apparently we're asleep. Uh, you know, we, we, we are completely uh, not acknowledging our white privilege, uh, and that makes us asleep. Uh, so how does this all come into your view on what's happening on your university campus uh, with regards to everything from Fees Must Fall, uh, which actually got violent in Pretoria. That's where, it, where a lot of the violence really happened, uh, to the whole debate around uh, replacing language on campus. And I, I'm kind of laughing a bit at that as I say it because – uh, now we've agreed to replace the colonial language of, of Afrikaans with the colonial language of English, which is hilarious. But uh, what's, your, what's your views on, on, on that? Okay, so um, uh, as a libertarian, my question is always, where is the government and all this? And when, when it comes to South African higher education, unfortunately, the government is everything. So we have practically no private proper private universities where I would really not care anything less about ab abolishing uh, a particular language or having some kind of socially progressive policy. That would not bother me when it comes to a private university. When it comes to the public universities, we need to realize that even as students, we, we're double paying essentially by paying the tax firstly for this university and then paying, paying tuition as well. So, um, Based on that, I think there, it's, it's, it's fundamentally immoral, can I say, that to um, have this, to turn this university environment into a political competition where groups are competing for, my opinion, needs to take over now. And this has been the case in South Africa since, uh, even since apartheid, of course. Um, so, obviously, that places me at odds with the social justice activists who currently are advocating all these things. Um, the force that is um, implicit in what they're asking for, it's it's blatant to to libertarians and it, therefore immoral. Can I just pick on a point you made though? Because sure. you said you know if we're being double taxed, so you pay taxes which are then given to the universities as a subsidy. Although that is quite a complex issue because they don't get given as much as they probably should. Um, but. But they, you pay a tax and then you, you pay to go to university. That's the double tax you're talking about. Yes, I guess I shouldn't say tax, but we're paying, we're paying twice. Yeah, you pay twice. Yes. Uh, uh, so is there a fair argument for free university then? Because you, you've also written about the problem with free things, which mm. I wanted to get into a bit later, but maybe this sort of uh, – let's not get there just yet. But should there be free universities? Should fees must fall ultimately end in a free university? Uh Fees must fall, must end with the government not owning any universities in this country anymore. That is the only argument I think that that needs to be made. That is the real substance of the issue. Um, free, there is no such thing as a free lunch, as they would say. That That is not a market occurrence. Nothing is free. And it is specifically for the reason that the government is involved, that we are talking about this completely illogical and I don't know what other adjectives to use, but this thing that isn't real. It's a complete fantasy to even consider anything being free, especially something as advanced and as specialized um, that requires so much labor from other people to be free, such as university <laughs> education. Okay, so we've gone straight down there, but so okay. that's fine. I, you right. know, you've said there's no such thing as free. You, uh, you, every, someone's paying for it. It, yes. it just doesn't exist. 
uh, as a concept, and that's your fundamental principle against anything being sort of free uh, as a concept. So you would say privatize all the universities and allow private institutions to charge whatever they feel is a fair amount? Yes, uh, obviously they they will not charge themselves out of the market, obviously, but yes, that is the principle. And, and then And then certainly you'd remove that component of our tax, which would lower our tax in theory, so you'd have more money as an individual to then go spend it on private education. Yes, yes. That, I'm just following the sort of logic. Yes, of yes. All right. All right. So um, I've lost my train of thought. No, well, it's fine. I, want, oh, I wanted sorry. to get back to these uh, these woke people, these social justice warriors. We didn't really get into it, and, and we've got a fair amount of time, and I, I really want to get into people who think they're doing good. Um, and I, mean, I often feel that they're wrong, but I'm not convinced that they're uh, aware of how wrong they are. Mm. You know, they, they've, they've come up with terms like woke uh, to, to signify how, how uh, you know, aware they are of the reality. But I feel they're completely unaware, but I don't feel they're not genuine in, 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 their, in their cause. So let's talk a little bit about social justice uh, as it pertains on university campuses, but just in general and, and how you view you know that 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 issue and that problem and the problems it's causing in the world. All right, uh, yeah. So this comes back to individual versus collectivism again. Uh, social justice, the entire notion of social justice, is a collectivist idea. Um, I think it was Matthew Kruger who wrote from the Ellen Sisman Foundation who recently wrote something in, on Politics Web about that or on Biz News. Um, he said that the problem with social justice, um, the the narrative, is that the the concept of the individual who is uh, who has agency who makes his own choices that is completely ignored by anyone by most people who follow the narrative of social justice and to an, to an individualist like myself that is a problem and the yeah that is the underlying problem and as well, as well the implied force that they always want the state to do something to quote unquote help someone well, well like like the economist Walter Williams says his definition of social justice is, I keep what I make, and you keep what you make. Is that not justice in the yeah, end? That's justice. That's not uh, adjective justice like social justice or what's these other terms, spatial justice, racial justice, gender justice. No, we as, as decent human beings, we need to believe in justice, period. Right, and, and, and social justice is really just another form of Marxism if you really boil it down to its bare essentials. It's about the oppressed versus the oppressor yes. as opposed to classes it's now different people holding so-called structural advantages yes. in a society um and and they want more state mm. to to do away with the structures that the state itself <laughs> put in place it's, yeah. it's a bit of a conundrum yes do you think they even know what they're talking about no certainly not um uh, <laughs> when you when you really get down to a marxist theory i the progression of um from capitalism to socialism, then the dictatorship of the proletariat. And then the, the, on, the ideal is this communist society where there is no government because class distinctions will be eliminated. Now, when, when this Marxism became this social justice thing with something called critical theory, which I consider to be a complete, completely separate system of logic that they've developed for themselves, um, they complete. They they seem to have abandoned this idea that we're moving towards a society with less government. They are completely about more government for everything, and um, they definitely do not understand that. Um, most people, even um, 
other libertarians, they do not also don't know about this critical theory thing. And I was actually pretty impressed when um, when Gareth Cliff um, said with his interview with Gwen Gwen yeah, when he mentioned critical, critical theory, and Let, that was pretty refreshing. So, so let's let's talk about it. Teach us <laughs> critical theory. Okay, listen. That is, it's basically it's it's what is more commonly known, but I hate using this term as cultural Marxism. So it takes the economic theory, um, uh, economic theories of Marxism, and just applies them to culture. So um, where it's where capitalism is in in ordinary Marxist theory, this the base of the um, the oppress oppression. Uh, now it's it's whiteness or white supremacy. But uh, the superstructure is basically the same. The media, uh, civil society, all these people are somehow reinforcing whiteness and white supremacy and, of course, um, white privilege, this concept that they're on about. Yeah, the, the thing with cultural Marxism, it's an evolution of the Marxist theory. Yes. So Marx said, you know, workers of the world unite and World War I broke out and all the workers dropped their tools and went to go fight for the state. <laughs> So the Marxists around the world were saying, what the hell is going on here? Why, why is this the case? And then they thought, oh, because they don't actually know Marxism. So we will change the, the uh, variables within it to not capitalist and worker, but we'll make it between different structures in society based on individual um, attributes. So they look at a society and they say, oh, okay. So a white heterosexual male earns the X more than anyone else. So obviously he's the strongest and the most oppressive one. So he's the one who needs to be attacked. Yeah. Well, absolutely. And and but what they fail to understand is that you can explain all of these so called oppressive classes through economics mm. or through politics or through history. Exactly. Um so they, they use the lens of critical theory but they forget to mention that a lot of things can be can be explained through other means. Yes, it's a complete undermining of, of ordinary um, rationality, I would say, because when when you bring up economics, like um, to try to explain these phenomenon, they will tell you something along the lines of um, Austrian economics or the monetarist school or white constructs they were developed in America. Any other, um, like women never had a say in how these concepts developed, black people never had a say. So they would say that, Whatever you have to say about this thing called economics, we don't care because it's fundamentally illegitimate and it cannot apply to us. It's, it's, it is un-African, apparently. <laughs> Someone did tweet me that economics is not an African – it's not within the African culture, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, you can't compete with that kind of thinking, so it's, it's, it makes our job pretty difficult. Well, it's, I mean it's irrational thinking as well because it is within every culture – Economics, it's a, it's, it's a fundamental principle. So uh, you go back a thousand years, if you bartered a cow for a goat, it's economics. economics. Of course. Uh, <laughs> but Martin, maybe can you explain like the, the, the fundamental principles of economics as, as you know it? Like if you, someone had to explain – if you had to explain to someone what capitalism is, how would you define it like in a paragraph? And, and I mean, you're a fan of capitalism. Yes, so I'm, to, a, to I'm a big that, fan so. of capitalism. Sorry, continue with Roman's question, but I just want to yes. point that out. Okay, so yeah, that's a that's a pretty difficult question for me. But all right, um, capitalism is essentially I I hate calling it a system because a system implies that there is some kind of control, some kind of central plan. But um, capitalism is a state of affairs where individuals, human individual beings, are able to engage and trade with one another. Um, 
on a voluntary basis without any kind of coercion involved. So that excludes not only the state, but also coercion from each other, like fraud, which I would say is a kind of, it's a, it's, yeah, it's, it's a kind of dishonesty that essentially amounts to initiated force because it amounts to stealing. And, um, that's, that's basically capitalism. It's, it's freedom, actually. So, yeah. Well, uh, so capitalism is freedom. So how do we, maybe how do we sort of get past what, what Ramon mentioned, which is these people who constantly believe that it's not freedom, that, you know, capital directly affects their lives, their livelihoods, is what is making them poor. How do we, what's your theory on getting over that and, and, and getting that explained to people other than having these discussions where they tell us, no, it's not an African concept or I don't believe in it. Or how do you show this to people? Well, I think the most important thing is that you need to identify the source of this poverty that they are talking about, This pover- um, the poor in South Africa. I mean, just ask, where is the government in this? So the massive, major- the massive amount of poor black South Africans, that is due to the government policy of apartheid. That was a government collectivist policy that was instituted because there was a fundamental assumption on the part of the whites, but I would say also among black people, that the government has this right, this this um, inherent right, to involve itself in economics, and that is what all these things were based on. So when when these people come at come at you with um, saying that capitalism is causing this, you should point out to them that it has consistently always, or perhaps not always, but in the vast majority of cases, it has been the government that has caused these things, and not individuals who are pursuing their own self-interests in the marketplace. All right. I just uh, want to tap on something there. You you mentioning, you know, obviously we're admitting that apartheid puts us in many of the sort of poverty issues we face mm. today. Uh, I want to talk about what's happened in the past 20 years as well, because okay. I think that that's relevant. Uh, but you just to, just to get onto that point, you said, obviously it was a white implemented system, but equally, Black people went along with it. Um, I think some people might be a bit upset about that kind of comment. Is it more kind of a comment of all people shouldn't just accept that the state can do whatever they want, essentially? Is that, is that? Uh, yes, um, of course. But the, the point I was trying to make there is that when apartheid started, nobody, including white people and black people, said that fundamentally, what, who said the state is allowed to do this? Mm. And why is the state allowed to involve itself in economics and especially interracial relations, just social affairs? Where does this assumption come from? Nobody questioned that. People instead went to, um, this is unfair, um, it's, it's unequal. That is besides the point. So what the point I'm, I want to Stop make... Stop the is, state first. Yes, is that there? what is the, the assumption underlying this system? What gives the state this legitimacy to involve itself in these affairs? Okay, so if you don't allow the state to involve themselves in those types of affairs, then apartheid never happens because they never have yes. the ability to institute such a system. Yes, of course. Um, nobody, nobody believes that the state can regulate um, how much we breathe, for example. It's, it's, you can't, it's unimaginable. But we, we, accept, we take it for granted that whenever parliament gets together and passes a law saying X, Y, and Z, that that is okay. That is the fundamental assumption, and I think that is fallacious. Yeah, no, the, 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 unfortunately, the best thing apartheid ever did was was to make people very statist. 
um, the, the ANC has been a very, it's a, it's a very status government. It's a, it's a conservative religious government. Um, how, how can we wither the state away to a place where it, it only does, you know, enforce contracts and maybe do the justice system and do as little as possible? Like, how do we go about doing that? Because the state only seems to grow. It, it mm. never, never withers away, it appears. Well, I think society has, um, to use social justice terminology, internalized statism to a very big extent. So I don't think in my lifetime, and I'm only 22 this year, we're going to see any of this um, substantive withering away of the state. But it needs to start at consciousness on on behalf of everyone that the state can't just do whatever you want it to do. And in, in... in the West, this is, I think it's known. In America, it's appreciated much more than here. But I would say that uh, in South Africa, it's there. there is no such culture or the idea isn't even considered that the state can't do what it wants. What do you want? So, so let's say, you know, there, there is a libertarian party which is relatively large in the U.S. Yes. Uh, we've got one in South Africa, as far as I know. They don't stand on the ballot. No, not yet. It's uh, still in its beginning phases. But let's let's assume, you know, that it's possible in thirty years' time the Libertarian Party mm. actually gets uh, some whatever majority. Or how how do they not really believing in a state? How do they run a country? Okay, well, in South Africa, we're fortunate that if you stick with what the constitution actually says, you will already have a much, much, much smaller government than we currently currently have. So I would, if I were, um, were to recommend to a libertarian party what they should do is get just get back to the constitution immediately. Um, that is already a very big reduction. But from there on in, um, you need to, uh, we liber- uh, menarchists believe that the government has only three legitimate roles, um, police, courts, and military. That is very small as compared to the modern state. So that's going to be difficult to get to. But, yeah, that's, it, it will require constitutional change, essentially. Yeah. I mean, an easy way to, for a libertarian party to, to you know, input what it wants, you just make everything that's voluntary non-criminal. You legalize all drugs. Of course. You, 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 wither, you wither away the police ability to infringe on your rights as an individual. So... Prostitution, drugs, um, foreign foreign exchange, trade—I mean, all these things are, are should not be crimes whatsoever. So mm. even then, you are withering the state away. Yes, uh, there is—I um, mean, prostitution isn't constitutionally constitutionally illegal in South Africa. So it would take a very simple act of parliament to to abolish that, and I'm very hopeful that that will actually happen before we have a, um, a libertarian government um, with recent comments from the deputy president. But, uh, yeah, so victimless crimes, as we call them, those would have to go in the first year of any libertarian government, essentially, yeah. Uh, I think uh, Ramon might want to segue here into, because he obviously believes in legalization of, of drugs, Uh <laughs> And I'm not, a, I'm not in principle against the concept. I just feel that uh, you, you have to uh, potentially be able to control for the negative effects of drug use. So you say, you know, crime without a victim. So someone takes heroin, it's fine. It's a crime without a victim. Uh, the problem with that is 
Though taking drugs isn't always a crime without a victim because drugs can cause people to do things. Uh, so hallucinogenics, as an example, can cause people to go and do things and affect other people. So if you've got a system which can control for that, uh, then I'm fine with, with, with the drugs. Uh, if you've got a system which understands that someone who starts using heroin uh, is probably going to lose their job, uh, they're not going to be a productive member of society, at least as we view pr- productivity, uh, they're going to lose their job. They're probably not going to be able to pay their rent and, and so on and so forth. If you've got a system that can uh, withstand that and can then deal with those problems, I'm okay with legalization of drugs. I don't believe we have that system in South Africa, and therefore I'm not okay with legalizing drugs here just yet. So, I mean, what do you say to that? Uh, well, obviously this person will lose his job is he will become poor. So in any kind of libertarian society – that will be the the consequences of his own choices. Mm. Now, I don't believe that just because some people, even a big, large amount of people, have, are making bad choices and therefore are becoming a, uh, a problem, as you say. I wouldn't say it should be anyone's problem except their own problem. But I don't think that can justify in any way that the government must restrict the rest of our liberties, our individual rights, just to account for that problem. I don't think in principle that argument can be made. All right, <laughs> and I mean, I mean, rehab exists, right? Yeah. Well, no. Here in South Africa, it doesn't exist. Not in not on nearly a large enough level. Not with nearly enough uh, ability to cope with it. Uh, another example: everyone wants to uh, legalize marijuana. Uh, marijuana is a very common cause of schizophrenia. Proven, it, it unmasks it essentially. So you could go your whole life. Uh, being essentially an unmasked schizophrenic, live a normal life, never suffering from any kind of psychiatric disorder. You smoke marijuana and you basically unmask the potential to be uh, a schizophrenic. Uh, we don't have enough beds in South Africa to deal with our psychiatric patients. We, it's a huge, huge problem. So uh, another example of why, for example, I'd be against at this stage legalization of marijuana in this country. We don't just have rehab. We don't have the ability to just deal with those problems. And uh, I'm, I'm very interested to see what happens in the United States in, in the places where they have legalized marijuana because uh, alcohol was commonly used uh, and has commonly been used as an argument for, well, alcohol is legal and alcohol causes lots of destruction and causes people to kill other people on the roads or things like that. So, you know, why shouldn't mar- marijuana makes people chill out? And please, man, that's not going to kill anyone. And they might be right, but I- I'm very interested to see what comes out of the States now that we'll have decent samples and decent uh, groups uh, and that we'll be able to see. It's- this is CliffCentral.com. Marijuana smokers, just like a whole bunch of alcohol drinkers, getting into cars with decreased levels of cognitive ability and then killing people. Yeah, but that's easy to see. Stats from Colorado show a reduction in drunken driving, an increase of $100 million in tax revenue, a decrease in domestic violence, um, basically all the social yeah, ills that it had. Correlation, not causation, eh? Like you- well, at least it's something. Yeah. I, I- and, and here's another correlation. The fact that we, our rehab system is so shit, why do you think that? Because the government has a monopoly on it. <laughs> try be try be a private rehab uh, center. Mm. Why would people choose you? You can you can only charge exorbitant rates for it, because there's 
public ones. That's why healthcare is so expensive in this country because the government does a all right to shit job. Yeah, you in, can say shit. They do a shit job. No, some of them are all right. I mean, some of them do help. It's better than nothing. But why is the private sector always more expensive? Because the government is a competition with unlimited resources. So they can pretty much price themselves however they want. People will still use it. Uh, all right. So you have, I mean, Martin, you've, you've written, sorry, apologies, our, our board today is a bit noisy. Uh, you've written on um, this whole concept of private health care. I mean, it comes into the free stuff again. Uh, don't believe in, I'm very against the NHR. You don't believe in the NHR? No, no, of course not. Um, uh, more in principle than on any utilitarian basis. Uh, what, what what's the government doing in healthcare again? But also the um, the audacity of the government to say in the white paper that uh, South Africans shouldn't really worry about how this is going to be paid for. Just worry about the fact that it's being done. Yippee! No, what is what kind of audacity is that? No, it's um, I think the South African private healthcare system is, if not the best, one of the best in Africa, for which people travel on foot from all around Africa to get a piece of. And our government is saying that no, this is it's too expensive. But okay, it's better than what we've ever had. Uh, um, well, com- historically, comparatively. And it's much better than what they can provide due to very simple economic principles like incentive and like Ramon says, um, the fact that a private hospital can't compete with the government. The government has essentially unlimited money. So, of course, it's going to be expensive. It, it, It basically follows. So the government, if it really is committed to making healthcare cheaper, it will not only, um, privatize all government healthcare, but it will deregulate, uh, the medical profession. I think you may have a problem with that, but that is uh, essentially what a substantive liberalization of the industry would look like and which would lead to more involvement from the private sector. Just on that point, no problem whatsoever. I'm a capitalist as well as a doctor. So uh, I feel that people should be able to charge whatever they want for their service. If you're the best surgeon, then you should be able to charge for being the best surgeon. I actually wrote a, a, a piece on the fact that all the NHR will do is encourage mediocrity because everyone will get paid the same amount and incentivized or not, they or won't be incentivized. We all get a salary. It's what the current system is. If I go to, if, if I work for the, for the state, which I have in the past and uh, I get to work on time every day, I do my job. Well, my patient outcomes are good. Uh, the guy who arrives late every day who has poor patient outcomes, he gets the same salary at the end of the month. And, and so, no, I, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with deregulating the entire system. As it happens, uh, one uh, sort of rating system puts our private healthcare system as the fourth best in the world. Wow. So, uh, you know, we, we, we do have an exceptional system on that side for all the reasons I think you've stated. Um, okay, so let's talk a bit about guns. <laughs> So it's a it's you know a topic that that people get very uh, intense about. Uh, I find it quite hilarious that South Africans love to get onto the bandwagon in the United States every time there's a shooting in the United States. Uh, us South Africans, with you know twenty two thousand homicides a year or something like that, uh, many of them with guns, mm-hmm. uh, we like to sort of suddenly make comments about the American system for getting where we exactly stand. You're very pro-gun. I, I don't know if that's a f- 
you know, I don't know if you like that 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 uh, characterization, but you believe in guns. You're for guns. Uh, let's delve into that a little bit. Well, again, it's a, it's a principle thing. Like, I'm not when I say I I want people to be able to do these things, have guns, have drugs. It's not that I'm pro any of them. I, in principle, I just believe the government has absolutely no real legitimate scope to to be involved in that. So, yes, I I would be seen, I'm pro gun. Yeah, essentially. So yeah, um, in 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 South Africa, we we talk about um, we need increased gun control to avoid our exorbitant amount of of homicides. But the gun control has only been increasing, and well, it doesn't look like our murder rate is really lowering at all. And the same the the same pattern is seen in the United States, where the cities of the the states of the um, most most um, stringent gun control. Or the states and which have the cities of the most crime, so that is, I think, it's a good good way to see that gun control doesn't work. If a criminal wants to do you harm, you will do you harm. Well, uh, what's what's quite interesting is that. Uh, so I've seen some of the stats with regards to homicides uh, in the country, and some of the gun controls have worked a little bit to reduce the amount of gun-related uh, murder. Uh, all that's happened is that's transferred into knife-related murder. So we should be banning knives as well. You know, kitchen knives must also be banned. No, but let's get back to first principles here. The, the gun control lobby are not anti-guns. They want the government only to have guns. They're not saying the police should not have guns. They're not saying the army should not have guns. They say private citizens mustn't have guns. So when they say gun-free, it's, a, yeah, it's gun-free for everyone except those state enforcers who happen to kill a lot of people. Uh, in this country. All right. And if they, okay, so if they said, Ramon, if they said to you, well, we're going to uh, make guns uh, completely gun free, no gun in the country, not even the military has guns. Yeah, bullshit. I mean, it would never happen, but, but would I you, mean, if, if in theory, in an idealistic world, would you agree with that principle? No, not at all. No, not at all. It's it's a personal choice. Which country in the world has the most guns per capita? I don't know. Probably Pakistan. No, uh, Switzerland. (laughs) Would never have guessed that. That horrible crime-ridden cesspool called Switzerland. The government gives each citizen, each male citizen who does conscription, a gun. Oh, yes, because they all go to the military. They all go to the military, Mm -hmm. and they all get guns. And so everyone has a gun, and... There seems to be very little crime. Now, why is that? It's not because of the of the guns only. Sorry, the back to guns don't kill people. But, people kill people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and if you look at most of the mass murders around around the U.S., especially these people were either on a antidepressants and they were off for a while, or they were um, what do you call it? Um, the, the latest San Bernardino one were inspired by ISIS. I mean, the gun is, is ancillary. It's so. It's just a tool. So if we, you know, because I, I think the gun control argument isn't completely invalid uh, from my perspective. It's just uh, if you can bring some sort of rash, rational sort of thinking to it. So people, what, what's pe- valid about it? Okay, so I agree with the concept that, for example, people with uh, mental illness shouldn't be able to get a gun. Uh, you know, that, that that's gun control. No, background but checks are perfectly legitimate. Yeah, so background check... Uh, not giving guns to certain people. So if you've committed a crime before with a gun, you probably shouldn't be given a gun again. Uh, if you have a mental illness, you probably shouldn't be given a gun. 
Uh, I'm, I don't, don't have an issue with that. Uh, is that kind of where a more rational argument in a functioning society goes with guns, Martin? Well, the, thing, the problem with that is that on, on what basis are we, are we doing that? Are we going to have um, – if someone, for example, drives drunk and drives with his car, kills a few people, when they are convicted of negligence, culpable homicide – or even murder, are we going to prohibit them from ever driving a car again? Um, if someone stabs someone else, are we going to like try and keep knives away from them in whatever impractical they way they can't we can use try? stick knives forever again? Yeah, so I, I, can, ex- I can see the logic in, in that suggestion that there should be background checks, obviously. Um, but I think maybe a, a, a private gun shop owner should should have the foresight to not give the gun to to someone who appears unstable. But, but we accept example. that, you know, some people don't have that foresight because people are, there are stupid people in society. No, of course. Um, sure. I mean, if, if someone has murdered, they should ideally be in prison for the rest of their lives. So they don't have this opportunity to get a gun again anyway. So um, I think if you couple proper law enforcement with this liberalization of, of gun gun ownership, or uh, I don't know if it's liberalization, just let people do what they want, then we already have um, solved a lot of the problems. So, Martin, voting. <laughs> it's a bit of a conundrum for most people. I'm against it, as most people know, for very, very valid reasons in my mind. Um, what is your opinion on voting for the, the government that oppresses you? Oh, I'm a very happy voter. Um, I encourage everyone to. <laughs> I, I encourage everyone to vote. Um, at whatever chance they get, I know Americans vote for everything, all the time. If I were an American, I would be voting all the time. That, but, but okay. If you vote for a political party that is, in um, advancing more um, restrictive policies on your on your. Um, life that that's essentially initiated force you're basically going to uh, a criminal and saying listen i don't like that that guy has property i don't like that that guy is well please go and stop him with your guns so yeah if you vote for the eff i'm sorry man but that you're you're committing an act of violence against me uh but if you're voting for something like i guess the ifp maybe the da they to a lesser extent, unfortunately, they also want a bit less government than we have. That is okay. That is, uh, that's, that's acceptable. I know that's very ad hoc. It can't be enforced. But this comes down to the point that you, you should feel bad about that. <laughs> but that's like saying it's better to have like, uh, this type of cancer as opposed to that one. In the end, it's still cancer, right? No. I don't think every ca- cancer is equally bad. Um, I thought you were a libertarian. No, I'm definitely a libertarian, but um, it, it comes down to you need, we need to get parties that want less government into government. So, look, uh, maybe, Ramon, uh, even if everyone agreed with uh, your sort of standpoint and view, maybe it's about uh, de-escalating government. Yes, and slowly you de-escalate to the point maybe where we end up where you are, where we like have no government uh, and we don't vote. But there's a reality about the de-escalation, I suppose, rather than from what we have now, which is a very rigid state, to nothing. 
Yeah, look, we we need to do, we need to do something. Um, I know a lot of anarchists, and there's this saying among amongst um us menarchists, it's, it's um armchair anarchy. So <laughs> there is really no point in saying the government is always bad, and um, yeah, it should be abolished, but then doing absolutely nothing about it. No, hold on. Let me defend uh, myself. Yeah. Okay. Here's the thing. You, voting in and of itself is not a bad thing to do, right? I mean, if you vote in your body corporate or wherever you are, it's, mm. it's cool. It's voluntary. Um, you get outcomes that you want. Voting for the state, especially in a state like this where the executive is so powerful, is a problem. So if you, if you go to Switzerland, the canton system, you vote within your canton and your taxes are used within your canton only and you're told exactly where your taxes are going to. That is far more legitimate a vote than just for a national a government. No, but when elections come, it's essentially like a, a criminal coming to you and saying, listen, um, either I am going to hit you with a baseball bat through the face, or you can choose to be hit through, with a baseball bat through the face, or you can just choose to be lightly slapped. I'm, I, as a rational human being, I'm going to say, okay, if these are my choices, then just just lightly slap me, because if I if I don't choose that, he's going to hit me with the bat anyway. Okay, but, but you do understand that you are enforcing a system that will oppress you. No, of course. Okay. No, that's all I want to know. Of course, but I'm, 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 a, I'm a slave who's taking the option provided by his master to get out of the system. No. That is my, my end goal. I'm, I'm happy to take that make that choice. No, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are pragmatic reasons to vote, and I can see the outcomes we, we want through voting. But we must understand we are voting for people who want to... No, naturally, of course. To, to, to oppress yeah. us in, in ways that we don't really see as oppression, but which are. Yeah, if people are conscious about this, then we'll already have a more conscious voter. So that comes back to where I said the way, the only way we can really get to a, a substantively free society is through more consciousness among the people. All right. Well, we've got a little while left. I, uh, I wanted to talk about people apologizing. <laughs> Uh, you know, we started off the show by saying, well, was Steve Biko a racist? Uh, we've uh, we've uh, made a lot of comments uh, through the show that people might find offensive. Ironically, I don't know if it's just because uh, there's a bias in terms of our listeners. They're, they're into what we're saying. But I'm sure if we played this podcast on Radio 702, um, the lines would light up and people would be having strokes while holding for someone to answer. So the, the, thing, the thing is, is that when people say things that are potentially truthful or at least need to be considered and debated in the dialogue, uh, and then the loud minority goes absolutely nuts, all those woke people, uh, they suddenly sort of get intimidated into making apologies. And this happens repeatedly at the beginning of the year. Uh, some of the examples are fair examples where apologies might have been required so penny sparrow as as one but she didn't apologize but she didn't apologize actually and i i've, I've said this before i think she's probably even more racist <laughs> now be, yes. from given what happened i don't think that solved the problem at all uh, but there were other people where things happened there was a journalist um was it karin uh, from Mark, I think. Uh, Duplessis, I think, no, okay. who, who, who made the comment uh, about pantypreneurs at the ANC conference and was told that that's racist, uh, even though it's probably true. Uh, Gareth Cliff is another one uh, who, who ended up apologizing. Where do you stand on apologizing when you say things that aren't wrong? 
Okay, so I wrote a piece about this in the Rational Standard um, recently about the contra- controversial. I think it's called controversial South African, an open letter to controversial South African. So in it, I say that do not feed this um, angry mob that is coming after you because you dared to speak your mind. If you say something that you believe in, stick with it. However, now something that I have learned in the interim is that there is a legal reason for apology. So especially in defamation suit, the court can take into account the fact you have apologized, therefore case dismissed, that should be enough. I can understand that, but the comments that have happened in South Africa recently, those haven't been directed at individuals, and so it's not defamation. So um, especially with Chris Hart, I know he still believes what he said, that I am not going to um, accept for a moment that he changed his mind just because... Who was it? You say Bias Makaizru said you racist or something, and then he started all that. And I don't believe that Gareth Clough, um also. I don't think he thinks suddenly South Africans do understand freedom of speech. No, they. I think they still believe what they said, and they should stick by it. Of course. Well, especially if they don't say anything bloody well wrong, for God's sake. To say that people don't understand freedom of speech, and to get hounded for saying that is is. Sh- Indicative that you don't understand freedom of speech. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's a bit of a ridiculous notion, really. Yeah. But um, first principle: never apologize on social media. Oh, I, yeah. I never do, and I've said far worse things. But no one comes after me for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not that important. Who knows? Yeah. Look, when you apologize, you're essentially you're you're asking for more, and more has been coming. So the moment you apologize, you're, they're, they're not going to accept your apology naturally. They, have, they don't accept any apology from someone they consider to be a racist. Uh, what do they call it? Um, white-splaining or something that's from mansplaining. So yeah, just don't apologize unless you have a rational um, legal reason to do so, I would say. All right. Well, I'm, I'm both I'm on the same page as you guys. Um, you've, we're almost running out of time, but you've just said mansplaining or... <laughs> We're getting into feminism. So where do you stand on on feminism, what's commonly referred to as third-wave feminism? Uh, what's your feeling? Third-wave feminism is critical theory that we discussed earlier. So it's all um, part of the same school of thought through intersectionality. I've been oppressed because I'm a woman and therefore yes. I'm not in power and I have to do everything to remove those who are seen as being the oppressors, the powerful. Yes, it's the same logic that underlies this what I call becoism, but I guess you can call it cr- critical race theory. It's it's exactly the same logic, just um, instead of men, um, whites. Uh, now it's even um, ableism, uh, not ableism, but whatever they they say. If you are not disabled, Ableist. Yeah, yeah, if you're not disabled, then you're 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 essentially occupying the place of the oppressor, just for being who you are. For existing without a disability. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, but and having a penis is also uh, offensive. Oh, it's extremely offensive. But but yeah. So I naturally I would say that uh, third wave feminism, which is basically just feminism today, the the old notion of feminism that was. Perfect. It was libertarian by and, saying... And it won. It's fine. I mean, it, yeah, it, it achieved a lot of its principles. The yeah. feminism from the 70s and, well, feminism all the way back from yes. the early 1900s achieved many of its goals. In uh, the West, yes. In the West. Uh, yeah. well, we, well, we don't, we don't <laughs> want to talk about those places yeah. in the Middle East and, and, and the East. And that's, uh, uh, sorry, sorry. Uh, we cut Ramon off because we thought we'd talk, he'd talk about voting again. <laughs> no, no, not at all. No, no. Third wave feminism is, is the... Perfect philosophy for rich white women in the West who drink Starbucks every day. Mm. 
and he don't care about uh, sex slaves of ISIS or, or women's rights in the third world or reproductive rights in Africa or Asia. It's a, it's a, it is the most privileged form of oppression I've ever seen. Mm. Mm. All right, I think uh, on that uh, that note, the most uh, privileged form of oppression is feminism. <laughs> you heard it here on the Renegade Report. You can send your complaint uh, emails to uh, Renegade Report mailbox at gmail.com. Uh, please get to Ramon uh, directly on Twitter and uh, tell him how much you hate him. It's uh, at uh, Ramon Kabanak. Uh, Martin, your uh, Twitter handle? Uh, I don't use Twitter, but you can follow Shock me. Horror. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not going to do that. What but would you like us? Where would you like us to find you? Um, you can. Search, I think my Facebook extension is martin.funstaden.9 or something, but, <laughs> but yeah, you can find my work on the rational stand, on rationalstandard.com. I highly recommend that website and yeah. also beinglibertarian.com. Yes, beinglibertarian.com. Uh, you can find me easily on both those platforms, but yes, you can also follow me on Facebook. Um, you, you'll find me by putting in Martin von Staden and you'll see my thing will say editor in chief at being libertarian. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a wonderful conversation. Really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Great work you guys are doing here. Please keep it up. Right. So I'm Jonathan Witt. You can, you can send me hate mail uh, on Twitter as well, uh, at Jonathan underscore Witt. Uh, I'll probably ignore you. Uh, so that's us for the week. Uh, we're going to play out with our usual uh, theme music, as you know. Uh, highly loved here at Cliff Central. And we'll catch you uh, next time. Central. I've got something important to tell you. Cliffcentral.com.